Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Transform Sales Podcast. Today, I am so delighted. I have Kay Miller here. How are you, Kay? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I am so excited to chat with you. Let me tell you guys a bit about Kay. She was named Muffler Mama after being named Salesperson of the Year for Walker Exhaust, the largest automotive muffler manufacturer in the world. She's been a top sales performer ever since. In May of 2022, her book, Uncopyable Sales Secrets, was released, and she's now on a mission to help others maximize their sales success. All right, Muffler Mama, tell us about, tell us about how you got started and how you got to where you are today. Well, when I got out of college, I had a degree in marketing, so I thought, oh, I want to get into marketing. And then I found out you really need an MBA to do marketing. So I was qualified for sales and you know, that was not what I expected, but I thought, okay, I can do that. Right. Well, the job market at the time, many years ago, 1982, probably before you were born was really bad. And I couldn't get a job with any of the companies I wanted to work for. So I did some networking and got scrappy and was hired as the first woman ever hired in outside sales for a hardware company. The name of the company was Amarok. It's still around. Division of Anchor Hawking, which you might be familiar with. And that's where I started my outside sales career. And, you know, it was a totally different world. And, of course, very male-dominated situations that, um, you know, I have some stories that some would be appropriate to tell and some wouldn't. (laughs) And uh, I then was, I did so well there, I was hired away by another very glamorous company, Walker Exhaust. So automotive mufflers and catalytic converters. And I was outside sales person for them. And I ended up going on to be the number one salesperson. And this is the largest exhaust manufacturer in the world. And when I was there, there were a few other women, but I was one of just a few and I became number one. So yeah, I got this nickname, Muffler Mama, which, you know, Definitely uh, made me unique. No one else has ever tried to fight me for that term, by the way. But, you know, I love sales. I know you do too. And now I've moved into, uh, after being in outside sales and then working with my husband in our company, now I do consulting and training and writing, speaking on sales. So I love how you said I was the first woman hired in outside sales, right? And so I feel like that is a badge of honor because. I know, I mean, when I started in outside sales in the early 2000s, (laughs) if you would, there still weren't that many women in outside sales. So share with us your experience as really being that first person within a company to do something completely different. Well, you know, the thing about being in sales anyway is that you always have to establish trust and credibility. And when you're a woman in a male-dominated field, I think that is even more critical, more important, and probably more difficult. And I found ever since that really once you do the work to do that, then whoever you are selling to respects you for that. And I think when I was calling on men, uh, there was definitely resistance at first, but I was just like a bulldog. I'm just going to do this, right? And not in an aggressive or icky way, but you know, You know, I feel like you can be aggressive in getting to your client. And then once you are interacting with them, then you are, you know, 
you're establishing that relationship, that win-win. But I feel like the men that I called on and my coworkers eventually really respected me. And it became an advantage as well as a challenge. But yeah, it takes some guts to do that. It really does. And, you know, any type of sales, you have to get past fear and, you know, the fear of being rejected and all those things that you have to deal with in any type of sales. You know, they are magnified when you're a woman in a male-dominated industry. But I feel like the reward is that you get so much respect for pushing through and doing that. Mm, that's so good. That push through the tenacity, the overcoming fears. And you mentioned when you first got out of school, you had a, you were focused on marketing, but you're like, I got to have an MBA for that. So how did you even, because there's like this, I call it peanut butter and jelly, oil and water. I don't know, good, bad, ugly, indifferent, marketing and sales. So how did you take what you learned being a classically trained marketing person and apply that to your sales jobs? You know, one of the things that I think about all the time and I encourage my clients to think about is the fact that we are all buyers. You know, mm. I just, there are so many different ways to sell and I don't know, you know, all the marketing stuff is great. And I think as salespeople, you know, especially if you're an entrepreneur or, you know, network marketer, all kinds of different situations, you are in a position of doing both because I see as marketing is sending your message out and getting the right people to respond. And that's a skill that you can really use as a salesperson too. But the sales is actually when they do raise their hand or you do define them, ultimately define them as a, a real prospect of yours, then it's a one-on-one -on -one interaction. And I think we can all learn a lot just by thinking about how we want to buy, how we enjoy buying. You know, I just bought a new car and I didn't tell anyone, oh, the dealer sold me this new car. No, I say, I bought this car. So we, mm. we know that we want to be the decision makers. We want to be in the driver's seat, so to speak. And so I really encourage a lot of salespeople to think about how would you feel if you were in this sales transaction or this sales relationship? So I do think that they are two very different skills. They are very much integrated in being needed and you know, working toward making the sale, but the sales skill is very different. And you know, schools don't teach sales. That's starting to change, but that's why we need people like you who are talking about how to sell because there isn't really a lot of sales training when you're in school. It happens out in the real world. I've always wondered that. I'm like, ever since the beginning of time, if you will, like there are marketing degrees, but now it's still not, I don't think that you can actually get a bachelor's of arts or bachelor of science in sales. There are certificate programs, but it's like, why? Why is the sales it's career, it, yeah. it doesn't make sense. And as you said, it's everything in life we buy, right? Whether it's a cell phone, whether it's a computer, whether it's a car, whether it's a house, like every component of our life is sold to us in some form or fashion. But when people are coming up in school, they don't get that classic training, right? And so what do they do? They think about the, the car salesman person they know. They think about the person who sold the furniture and they just emulate that or they go and watch the person on YouTube with 2 million views and they're like, that's how I sell. But really what we know is that is not how we should actually sell. So when you, cause you went from marketing to selling products and now you guys sell services, talk to us about the intricacies of selling a product versus selling a service. 
Well, I think as a salesperson, I say this all the time, your number one sale is that you are selling yourself. You are selling that relationship and whether it's a product, you know, which I have sold products and, you know, with products, there come delivery problems and scheduling and quality and different factors that as a salesperson, you say, you know what, I will take care of everything for you. And I have some great stories, examples in the book of when things went wrong. Those are huge opportunities for you to say, okay, I'm the consistent here. I will take care of you. And services too. I think so much of this, it's about finding out what the customer needs and helping them get that, but realizing that you are a huge part of what they're buying. I mean, I have a good friend who was a distributor salesman, and I say salesman because he was a man. He went to a different company, and after his non-compete was over, he took all his clients with him because the products were close enough. You know, people mm. are not looking for the perfect product without support or without someone they can call and rely on and to mm. know that they won't be stuck, you know, with a problem that nobody's responding to. So whether you're selling a product or a service, you are number one, always selling yourself and you are part of the package that they buy. That is just huge. Don't you agree with that? I absolutely do. It's the after sales support. I love telling salespeople and actually when we walk through training, I'm like, okay, so We've done prospecting, we've done the discovery, we've done the demo, and now the sale is over. You get to run away, right? And they're like, yeah, we're handing that off. I'm like, no, that is where the relationship truly begins. Like literally, after that PO is submitted, that click on that button, like that is really where your sale, your relationship begins because it is so much easier to get money from an existing client than to go get new clients, right? So how do I focus on nurturing those clients? How do I focus on making sure that they're happy, that I deliver on time, that I'm attentive? And a lot of times that's lost in today's art of sales, especially in these big technology companies where they have one person doing this, this person doing this, and they hand it off. And then you're like, well, who's my point of contact? Well, how do I get this done, right? Like that is really what's being lost with this decentralized sales organization. Right, right. And you know, we talk about our ideal target as our moose. And there's a story behind that. If you were a hunter in the forest and you wanted to hunt moose, then any time you spent hunting bear or deer or rabbit would be wasted time. So for us in our consulting company, we have a certain kind of company, and that is a smaller company where we can make the biggest impact. The beauty of that is that we don't really get into those organizations where there are a whole bunch of points in the sale. But really, people like to do business with people. And so, it, you know, really, I think it's so important for you to have a contact with your buyer and have a relationship and to do whatever that you can to make that a one-on-one -on -one relationship. Absolutely. It's people buy from people. I call it human to human sales. I'm a human right. and I want to sell to a human and you're a human and you want to buy from a human, right? And so let's pull down the scripts and all of the facades and the things that we think our clients want to hear from us because that actually at the end of the day isn't as important as just being authentic and showing up as yourself. Exactly. Yep.
there's a story that I tell in the book about a woman selling IT services and the gentleman that bought from her said, you know what, we bought Leslie. You know, there are all these other IT services out there. I'm not going to take the time to, you know, research what the exact right one is. I don't have the time, but Leslie said, I will give you white glove service. I will take care of everything. You will not have a problem if you deal with me. And that assurance was what made him say, yes, that you're the company I want to work with. So it really does come down when you're building trust and you're building a relationship. It has to be a human to human interaction. That reminds me of a, a story. My brother works at a company that used to be a customer of mine when I was in the, the sales world, in the capital equipment world. And by their instrument that I sold them probably 10 years ago, they still have the same one. In the drawer, they have like a notebook of emails from Wesleyan. And literally it is me telling them how to do things, me walking them through processes and procedures. Like, And I was like, literally they have emails with my name on it. How many salespeople have gone on and been in that account since me? But like, it's your legacy lives on. Even when you move on, even when you go, it's like you said, that person said, I want Leslie. I don't care where you go. And it's true. Like when salespeople leave companies, sometimes that business goes with them. Sometimes the business doesn't go with them because their head is a little bit bigger than they think it is. And they think mm -hmm. the customers like them, but they're like, eh, not really. So you do have to balance and you have to ensure that you're giving your customers the value that they need, that you are not just showing up and dropping off donuts, but you're providing them the education they need. You're providing them the resources they need. If they say, hey, I need this product or this service and you have no clue about it, you have a resource, you have a referral partner that you can send them to. Right. And I love the word partner. And back from my old sales days, I still have a letter that one of my customers wrote to my district manager saying, Kay is an asset to our company. We don't know what we would do without her. So, you know, the best kind of sales relationships go far beyond that. Of course, beyond the transaction into the relationship to the point where you're a part of the company. You know, you know so much about them and you can advise and coach them on the best ways to go and they respect that. So, I mean, that's a part of sales that's so fun to really be providing that kind of a unique value for them. Absolutely. So you have something else that's a, a bit unique. You, you and your husband work together. So tell us. <laughs> I got a side eye in yeah, case you're just oh listening boy, to we, audio. This wasn't in our pre-call planning. <laughs> so tell us about the dynamics of you and your husband being partners in life and partners in business. You know, there are so many really cool things about that. And of course, some downsides, I suppose. But, you know, really to be working on the same goals together, we both have the same philosophy. You know, it's been just incredible as we raised our daughter, who's now 30. So she's definitely grown. But, you know, being in the same company allowed us both to spend a ton of time raising her. She's a golfer. So we were traveling a lot for her golf career. And, you know, just the rewards of having our own business together were just awesome. But then again, like you, I'm sure you've heard a lot of people say, oh, I wish I could have my own business. And you say, hmm, you've got to make sure you're cut out for this because it's all you. You know, there's no clocking out. There's no, uh, you know, just forgetting about what you're doing, you know. So, you know, and, and we do. We end up talking a lot about the business 
on off hours, but it's fun and exciting too. You know, I think we have a pretty good balance. Like I said, now our daughter's grown, but you know, it is a lot of togetherness. And I have to say COVID was a big fat challenge because I'm a very social person. I do like to travel with my girlfriends and all that stuff. And through COVID, we were really, I mean, everybody, so many people faced this being together all the time. And that was a challenge, really challenge. But again, an opportunity to, um, we could shift our business. We could, you know, we did a lot of Zoom presentations. We're still doing a lot more virtual. So yes, pluses and minuses. If you can handle it, <laughs> I highly recommend it. So share with us, because, you know, this is your husband, but sometimes we have business partners and a lot of times there are headbutting issues or things that we can't really get aligned on. How do you guys divide and conquer and really surge forward to that joint goal? Well, yeah, there's some headbutting, but, you know, I don't know. It's kind of even in parenting. It's like, you know, sometimes he'd be the one that would freak out and I'd stay calm. And sometimes I'd be the one who'd freak out and he'd stay calm. I do the sales part of our business. Through the years, I have supported him as he did his the marketing and you know, a lot of speaking and consulting. So, you know, we've just kind of had to decide, okay, this part is my deal that I have the say on, and this other part is the part that you have the say on. So neither of us works for the other, but, you know, I can't say there isn't headbutting at all, but, you know, we also have a common goal of building this together. You know, our big goal is to serve other people, serve businesses. That's why I say our moose are these smaller companies where we can make the biggest impact. And, you know, they very well, you know, Steve actually calls me in his books, his smoking hot wife. <laughs> and we've been married <laughs> for 35 years. I'm like, okay, at this point, I'm kind of the steaming hot wife because I have hot flashes. But um, yeah, we have a common goal. And ultimately, we want to serve our customers, serve our clients and help them win. And that really is, you know, we're on the same page for that and it really works. So I'm definitely not a marriage therapist at all. Definitely not the authority on anything marriage. However, the tidbits and the takeaway that I heard from you is having a common goal, right? So being aligned in a common purpose and really leaning on what each individual strengths are to achieve that common goal. So a lot of times, you know, people Somebody might have started a business and then they bring their spouse along and say, hey, if we both do this, we can double, triple, quadruple our revenue instead of you working over here and me working over there. So having that common goal and leaning into your strengths individually for the United Force. You said it so well, really, that you nailed it. That's awesome. Awesome. Got it. I'm, I'm glad I was able to download you could, that. You could be Perfect. a therapist. You could be a therapist. <laughs> You know, I call myself the sales therapist. And when I tell people what I do, they're like, oh, so you're like a therapist. I'm like, yep, that's what I do. Sales and leadership therapy. Like, let's work through all the things that are holding you back so that you can achieve your sales and your leadership goals. Yeah. And like you say, there's nothing more exciting, you know, than to really celebrate a success that we are both part of. You know, he's happy for me when I do something really well. Oh, he'll say, you knocked that out of the park or, or vice versa. But when we're both in it together, and we say, we did this, you know, it's like our kid. Hey, we made this kid. This is pretty awesome. It's exciting. It really is great. It's, you know, it's, it's just wonderful to share success with someone else. Mm, that's so good. Okay. So you have shared amazing things that you've gone through in business and in life. Can you share an event, a person, a situation that has impacted the way that you show up today? 
I will talk about the situation that I talk about in my book where I went to one of my customers and asked them if they would show me how they run their business and how they mm -hmm. install a muffler because I didn't know how. And even though I didn't need to know how, I was really wanting to increase my credibility with my market. And I have to say, you know, I take the credit for doing that, but the fact that they were so open and helpful and, you know, even loving in how they showed me that and took me through, you know, let's show you and bring you along into this business. So many kindnesses that I received, especially early on when I was the only woman. So I'll just pick out that Wayne, the manager of the muffler shop where I went in and said, will you show me how to install this muffler? Such a, a pivotal point in my career, and I could not have done it without him. He was really willing to go outside his comfort zone and help me and bring me along. So I'm going to say that. I know there are many more, but that's the one that comes to mind. I love that. That also reminded me something of my early days in sales and what I work with when I'm working with these teams. I'm like, hey, guys, be humble. Ask your customer to teach you how they're using your product. How are they using this thing that you have sold them? Have that humility. And like you said, that person taught you, they gave you such a valuable lesson. And in their eyes, like they know that whatever they need, they can come back to you because they're like, she literally asked us to teach her something that she should have known by the person who's selling this. So that humility, that is really how your strength can show up as a salesperson, being humble. Yeah, and that reminds me also, I say there's a four-letter word that I think is magic, and it's not a profanity. It's the word help. Will you help me? And, yeah. you know, I, it's just been magic for me because if you say, will you help me understand your business? Will you help me? This was, will you help me understand my product? But anytime you say, will you help? We all as humans, we just respond to that. And so many, many times I still do it instead of, you know, just asking the questions about, you know, how do you do this? How do you do that? You say, will you help me understand? Will you help? I'm telling you, try it. If you're listening to this, try asking someone for their help. And they just, we all love to help. We do. People do. I mean, even when I think of my eight-year-old, I'm like, can you help mommy do this? He's like, sure, mommy, I'll help you do that. Instead of just, will you do this? Yeah. Literally, because every person wants to feel wanted and they want to feel important. And by you asking for them to help you, it gives them that level of, oh, I'm important. Oh, I can impact somebody, even if it's a very small thing. I love that. Will you help me? Yes. Will you help me? Oh, by the way, it even works with husbands. <laughs> yes. Humility, right? Humble. Will you, Will you help me help do me? this? Yes. I need this. Can you help me? I love that. I love that. I love that. So share with our audience, you have something to help them. What do you have to help them? I do. One of the biggest challenges that salespeople face is getting in the door with a new and especially a challenging prospect. Because we, if they're one of our top prospects, what we call our moose, then they're probably someone else's moose too. And they might be buying from someone else. And, you know, so many salespeople just kind of do what everyone else does and email or call or pitch them on LinkedIn. And our buyers, our prospects are tired of that. So we have to do something really different to get their attention from the very beginning and show them that we're different, show them that we're unique. So I have a giveaway that is called 
five proven secrets to get in the door and they are going to blow you away. There are so many examples in my ebook that talk about how they actually worked to get big new clients. So to get that giveaway, you go to uncopyablesales.com slash transformed sales. And that will be for Wesleyan's audience. And you can download that ebook. Awesome. 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 Well, that sounds amazing. I mean, and it's five ways and again, uncopyable sales. I just love that. Um, just the way that sounds because it's yours, right? It's like nobody can copy what you can do or what you can share with your prospects, your clients, anyone. I love right. it. Yeah, you are selling yourself and you are, you know, you need to be not like everyone else. You need to be unique and even uncopyable. And as I alluded to, that starts from the very first interaction. Set yourself mm. apart from the beginning and then it really informs the rest of the relationship. Awesome. Well, Kay, this has been an amazing time. Tell the audience what is the one best way to contact you if they want to get in touch with you. My website is uncopyablesales.com. So you can go there and find out more about me and get a giveaway and contact me. Um, you can also, and I encourage you to buy my book on Amazon. If you Google uncopyable or Google search uncopyable, you'll either come up with my book or my husband's books that are uncopyable. Mine's uncopyable sales, seek uncopyable sales secrets. So on Amazon, LinkedIn. I'm open to LinkedIn connections. My name is Kay Miller. My LinkedIn is Miller K. And I welcome new connections as long as you don't pitch me right out of the box. <laughs> um, and my email is on the website, so you can contact me that way too. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time, your talent, your expertise with the audience today, Kay. It has definitely been a delight. Thank you so much, Wesleyan. I really appreciate it. And that was another episode of the Transform Sales Podcast. Remember, in all that you do every day, transform your sales. Until next time.